0: Amen, amen, amen. Um, as you know, and we've been plugging, um, at the movies is next Sunday. Just so that you know, and those of you that are watching live, we cannot, uh, we cannot record that live, or we can't show it live because we're showing actual major motion picture clips. And so you're either here or you're not. It's nothing that we can record And it is completely evangelistic. We believe that people will come to a movie that would never come to church. And yet, I am going to be up there on the screen in clips sharing spiritual truths. And then I'm going to be giving an invitation at the end. I would ask as the Lord leads that you would be praying for many, many people to come to Christ during that time. So would you pray? And would you invite friends and family? Amen. Open your Bibles to Romans 12. Stand in honor of God's word with me. Look at 14. Says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Father in heaven, I ask that your word would explode on the inside of us because we know that when your word goes forth, when you send it out, it never returns back empty or void to you, but it accomplishes that for which you've sent it. So, Father, accomplish your word in us today. Father, we are people of your word. We live according to your word. Father, no matter what culture says, no matter what the dictates of our day and time are trying to place upon us, O oh God, we live according to your word. And so, Father, let your word be alive in us. May our lives be hidden in Christ Jesus, Father, we ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. What we're going to look at today is for the mature in its content. And it's not that the spiritually immature cannot receive. Um, I just think that depending on where you're at in your relationship with God, it'll be easier to apply to your life. And so some strong statements are going to be made today. Um, We might even, you know, go cow tipping a little bit and kick over some sacred cows Um, if you thought that I prepared this message with you in mind, yes, I knew that you were going to be here and I did prepare this with you in mind. Okay, so I've covered all of my bases. So up until verse 14, the emphasis was on the believers and the believer's heart and the attitude towards other believers. Look at verse 13 with me. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So the, up until verse 14, it's, it's, been on, it's been on believers. Now now it's, it's changed. Um, verse 14 now focuses our heart and our attitude towards unbelievers. How do we know? How do we know that the emphasis from verse 14 on is on unbelievers? Well, because offense might come through other believers, but persecution seldom does. Let me say that again. Offense might come through other believers, but persecution seldom does. Persecution is not a misunderstanding between believers. Suffering for Christ's sake does not include attending church with people you don't get along with. Amen or oh me. Some have said that they'd rather be around the lost because Christians are such hypocrites and they're so fake and they say and do mean things. That is not persecution and suffering for Christ's sake. That's not persecution. That's people still in spiritual diapers who are so thin-skinned they can't lay their lives down long enough to serve even one hour a week through the local church to reach a lost and a dying world. That's what that is. Hurt feelings and offenses taken are no excuse for failing to see the need to reach people and spare them an eternity in hell by affording them an opportunity to come and know Jesus Christ through your active service. It's quiet this morning, but that's okay. We're talking about real persecution here. Real persecution, the kind you see outside of Ionia, Michigan. Stuff that you see on TV, real persecution. That's what we're talking about. Why? Why should a message like this be preached? Well, here's why, And, and I'm going to tell you something that you won't hear in every Christian circle, because persecution has come to America. Persecution will continue in America, and it is becoming increasingly less popular to be a Christian today. But Christianity was never about a popularity contest. And think about it. Why would we need to work out our faith with fear and trembling, walk out our faith with fear and trembling, if it was all that big of a cakewalk? It's not. Is it real? Is it powerful? Does Jesus Christ change us from the inside out, never to be the same again? Absolutely. So let's begin to nail some things down about what real persecution is and about what, and, and what troubles my, mark, my heart more than anything else is there are people that do not come to church because of other Christians. I've had people even say things like this to me, like, I hope my ex doesn't start attending here. It would be so hard for me to come. Well, why don't you just give me a list of people that you don't want to come to church? And we'll do our best to keep them out. No, 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 your ex said, please don't. You laugh. But you're probably thinking, I got to admit, if so-and-so started attending here, it would be so hard to see them. And it might be hard for them to see you, but we're not here because of them. We're, the, we're here because of him. Amen. Yeah. Let me know when I lose you. I know this is real deep. Let me know when I lose you here. So how are believers to respond to Persecution believers, mature believers, how do we respond to persecution? It says that we are to bless those who persecute us. I don't know if you've been watching the Kavanaugh hearings um, at all. Whatever your stance is, you know, I don't think abuse should ever be allowed or or permitted. I mean, come on. We're all in agreement on that. But it blessed my heart to hear Judge Kavanaugh's 10-year-old daughter praying for the gal that was that was alleging, you know, the, uh, the, the abuse, the, the assault. I thought that that was powerful. I'm thinking that kid's being raised in a pretty solid home that she knows enough to pray for those that are persecuting. What do you do with those that persecute you? How mature are you in your response? We are told in Scripture to bless those who persecute us. We do not curse them. We pray God will bless them. I know it's completely upside down, but isn't that the Christian walk? It's in dying that we live, it's in losing our life that we find it. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? I think the things that we never see gains in are the things that we aren't willing to lose. Wasn't it missionary Jim Elliott who was martyred? If you've never seen the movie End of the Spear, I encourage you to watch it. One of the missionaries that was martyred, he said, No man is a fool to give what he could never keep, to gain what he could never lose. Or something close to that i know i'm not far so paul is setting the bar quite high for believers here he's saying that christians should not simply keep from retaliating or even to forgive those simply who who persecute them but that they should call down god's blessing on them that's what he's saying so let's go to matthew chapter 5 and let's look at this in a little more detail told you this would be some mature stuff Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Look at verses 3 through 10. said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. I'm reading out of the New Living. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they'll inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they shall see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they'll be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's been said that the order of the Beatitudes is based on spiritual maturity, from recognizing we are spiritually poor and in need of a Savior to being persecuted for Christ's sake. What I want to draw your attention to is maybe something you've never noticed before, but look at verse 13, and this is right after the Beatitudes, right after the Beatitudes. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? How can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Notice that our good deeds shine best and brightest in darkness. Notice that. Notice that our good deeds shine brightest in the midst of dark persecution. Do we honestly think that as Christians that we can live this Christian life in the midst of darkness and never be persecuted at all? Like there'll be some great big huge holy bubble or protective shield that keeps us from being persecuted. No, 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 no. That is not what God's word promises. God's word assures us that we will be persecuted if we are totally totally living for him and walking intimately with him. We're gonna be persecuted. And our good deeds should shine right in the midst of that persecution. God's word promises crazy things like Psalm 23 tells us God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. What would be the sense in God preparing a table for us, a feast, a banquet feast in the presence of our enemies, if we would not be facing persecution? Here's the promise, and you'll find it throughout Scripture, that none of us are going to be immune to persecution, but God can provide for us wherever we are and whatever we're going through. God can and will provide. It doesn't take faith to live a life void of persecution. It takes faith to live in the midst of persecution. And persecution has come to America, and the only way that you're going to avoid it is if you get in some Christian cocoon, and you get in some holy huddle, and you just cut yourself off from society, that's your best bet. And even then, I don't think you're going to be exempt. So based on all of this, verses 15 through 21 should make a lot more sense, that we are to be happy with the happy and weep with those who weep. We're to do life together. We're to do life together. It doesn't matter what's going on. Christians keep doing life together. We keep doing life together. Man, we're happy with those who are happy. We weep with those who weep. We do not stop living the Christian life because of what's going on or for fear of what might happen. The Bible says that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them for fear. Christians are not known for their fear. They're known for their faith. And that faith is only going to be seen as we stand in the midst of darkness. Our deed's so shining that it's like light in the midst of a loss and a dying world. And when people see it, then they glorify our Father in heaven. So however we live, we are to live in such a way that people would see it and they'd glorify God. Think about it. Living in such a way that people would see that and say, that's got to be God working in and upon their life. Got to be. They literally glorify God because of the way Christians are living. It's what Scripture says we should be doing. When people look at your life, what do they think? Are they saying, they call themselves Christians? Really? Really? You kiss your mother with that mouth? Really? Or do they say, you know what? I see a change in you. I've known you for a long time. I see change in you. Only God could do that. I want to know the God that's changing you. I want to know the God that's transformed you. Amazing, isn't it? How come you don't retaliate? Scripture says that I'm not to. I've been praying. I've been praying. And you know what? That's not like an in-your-face to people either. It's not like some godly way to lash out at them. I'm praying for you. (laughs) Odds are you shouldn't tell them. Then maybe after the fact, I've been praying for you for a long time, and I'm just so grateful to see the change that's happened in you. you. What do you expect people to say to that, you know, that are driving you crazy? I'm praying for you. Thank you so much that right here probably is going to be something like, I could care less. Isn't it amazing when you've been praying for something and you see the answer to the prayer come? Then you can say, man, I've been praying for a long time for this day. After I became a Christian, I had people come up to me and, Say, your Christmas brother, I've been praying for you for a year. I've been praying for you for two years. I never even knew who these people were, and they didn't know who I was. They had to ask me who I was. They were just praying for me by name. They didn't come to me in the midst of my sin, and and I'm in some bong session at a party. I'm praying for you. They didn't do that. Wait for those prayers to be answered before you, you, you let people know, I've been praying for you. And this is amazing. You tell them too soon, and they're not going to receive it, probably. Okay, all that was for free. (laughs) Live in harmony. Don't be too proud or think you know it all. Did you see that when we read it in Romans 12? It leads me to believe that the proud and the know it alls disrupt unity. Did you see that? Let's go to it because I really think it's important that we see it. Romans 12. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. I believe that pride and and know-it-all, well, being a know-it-all is just a form of pride. Um, I believe it disrupts unity. It disrupts unity. And do not be that person. People that pay back evil for evil are not living honorably and peacefully. Revenge is God's business, it's not ours. We're to feed hungry enemies and give drink to thirsty enemies. E- evil is conquered by doing good. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Evil is conquered by good. Evil's conquered by good. Battle's not yours. This isn't flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 12 we wrestle not against flesh and blood last night. I spoke to our leaders and I spoke about how Moses Didn't make it into the promised land and three times he blamed the people for not being able to enter into the promised land It wasn't a people's fault. It was his fault He failed to honor God and to hollow God before the eyes of the people New Living says because you failed to trust me God said to Moses Revenge is God's it's not yours Do you want to be right? Then why don't we have a great big huge end of the service ceremony where we just tell people all along, you know, you've been right all along and nobody's ever told you, I'm so sorry. You don't want to be right. You want God to be right because you can't change anybody's life. You want God to be right. God's right. If you want to be right, then it's really hard to to bless those who persecute you. It's really hard to pray for them. You won't pray for them because you want them to come to you and say, I'm so sorry, I did not realize how brilliant you are. You are so amazingly smart and gifted, and I have been such a fool. Maybe one day they will say that they're wrong, but what you want them to say is, man, God's been working on my heart, and I've realized that I've said some things and done some things that aren't right, and they're not good. But it's only as a result because of what God's doing. It's not because you've... Are you ever going to say you're sorry for anything? Are you ever wrong? Are you ever... Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for him. Because the more and more you get wrapped up in everything that people say and do, the further you get away from God. And then you become the Christian who's coming to church with this facade that how you doing? Oh, praise God. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. How's it going? Amen. You got all your Christian Christianese down, but on the inside, there they are. Why? Well, I, I don't know if I know what a millstone is, but if I had one, I'd drop one on their head. I'll tell you that right now. Do not be those people. Let's finish with what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. I tell you, these verses are Amazing. We know 2 Timothy was the last book that Paul penned. We know from chapter 4, verse 6, that Paul knows that he's about to be martyred. Tradition tells us he was martyred under Nero. Um, He's not long for this earth. And you're talking about the guy whose life was radically transformed, wrote two-thirds in the New Testament... And now he is prophesying to his son in the faith, Timothy. And we know that he's prophesying because of verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. So he's prophesying. He knows he's not going to be around long, and he's telling Timothy what's going to happen after he's gone. I want you to drop down to verse 10 with me, and let's read 10, 11... And twelve, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from it all, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Please, Please keep in mind that Paul is speaking prophetically here. He's telling Timothy what people are going to be like in the last days. Rick Renner says that the language being used here is not just last days. It is the very last of the last days, the way that it's being used. And Paul charges Timothy, out of all the things he could charge him to remember, he says, remember my example. Remember my example, how I live my life. Remember that, Timothy. In keeping with this charge, Paul tells Timothy that the godly will suffer. Saints, if we're living in the last days, consistent with scriptures, that we're going to suffer persecution. We're going to suffer persecution. If you're living for Christ, you don't have to. You don't, I'm not asking anyone to sign up for it. But if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to live a godly life, then you're going to suffer persecution. And we're seeing that it has come to America. It's here. It's here. So get ready. Get ready. Don't be shocked if you are openly, publicly mocked because you're a Christian. Let God handle it. Let God handle it. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I believe it's my responsibility as a pastor to equip you for the last days, and I cannot lie to you if I'm going to do so. None of you should be able to come to me someday and say, Pastor John, why is this happening to me? Well, easy, because you're a believer in Jesus. You love God with all your heart. Let me just say this. For those of you that would say, Pastor John, I believe that my faith is... Is a private thing I'd agree with that if Jesus died privately but he didn't he died publicly so from the very life he lived to the way that he died that should tell us that God is asking us to live our lives out loud not an obnoxious not in an in-your-face way but in a way that says this is what I stand for this is what I believe I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it being seen. I'm not embarrassed to pray over my meal in a public restaurant. I'm not too proud to ask somebody if they want to be prayed for in Walmart. Because whether you realize it or not, everybody seems to be gaining freedom in America, but Christians seem to be losing it. Persecutions come. And so arm yourself knowing that, that I'm not going to compromise I'm going to be the best worker in my company. I'm going to be the best employee. I'm going to be the best neighbor. But I'm not going to deny Jesus Christ. I won't do it. I won't do it. And I just want to tell you that what we are enjoying today as Christians was paid for by the blood of martyrs. And we are doing them no service. That great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12 talks about. We are doing them no service if we cower and we back down and we refuse to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Jesus more than stood for us. He died for us. And he did so publicly on a hill. And so I'm encouraging you today to take a stand for Jesus Christ. I'm encouraging you today to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you when you are out in the community and put people on your heart People that you know. I'm encouraging you to lead people to the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't know that church wasn't the only place that people got saved? The majority of Jesus' ministry was done outside of the synagogue. And so you are being commissioned and charged today to be lights in a lost and a dying world. You are being commissioned and charged today to be salt in a thirsty world. They just don't know what they're thirsty for. And you're going to let them know and they're going to notice you. They're going to notice you. When's the last time you went up to somebody and you gave them a, a 20 and said, hey, man, you know, lunch is on me. When's the last time you, you, you picked up the bill for somebody in a restaurant, and they don't need to know. You just, you just picked it up. Hey, they pay for their bill. Why don't you just give that to me? Let me pick that up. You've been paid for. If they figure it out, just say, "Man, I you, you were just on my heart, man." So, wait, no, really, why did you do that? Well, you, you were on my on my heart means what? Well, on my heart means that God puts you on my heart. And we are going to be light in a lost and a dying world. We are going to be light in the midst of darkness and in the midst of dark persecution. We are going to be light. That's why you're in this community. That's why God has you here. That's why you were raised and you've grown up here. And that's why God sent Lisa and I and our three sons here. And from the moment that we were here, we didn't shrink back. We didn't look for a Christian school. We didn't homeschool, and I don't have any problem with that. We put our kids in the public school system. Just kind of letting the devil know that, I mean, you gave me three sons for a reason. Let's go. come on, church, why are you alive in the 21st century? What the heck? You know, why weren't we around in the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th? Century? Why are we alive now? Acts chapter 13, I might struggle where, with where exactly the verses. I want to say it's like 23. It said, after David did, did the will of God in his generation, he passed on into eternity. After he did the will of God, what is the will of God for you and your generation? Man, do it.